Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about a Second Students ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. We're in James chapter 2. We're in the third week of our series of Everyday Disciples. And so how you read scripture, whether that's on the screen, on your phone, in your actual paper Bible, I'm glad you brought it this morning. Uh, go ahead and turn to James chapter 2. It's the book right after Hebrews and the latter half of the New Testament. And so James, in this chapter, he's talking about putting our faith to work. Right, like what, is, what does that look like? Like my faith doesn't have a job. My faith doesn't like make, make money. What do you mean like putting my faith to work? I'm talking about doing things each and every day that we do because of our faith. It's our faith with works. You've probably heard the phrase, if you grew up in church your whole life, that you've probably heard faith without works is dead. Anybody hear that phrase before? Right? Yeah. Hear that phrase before. And so this is where that comes from. We're in James chapter 2, James chapter 2, verse 14. It goes like this, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs... What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So it's kind of a weird situation. Like you find someone on the street or find just anybody in need with a physical need. And this person in this case that James is talking about is without food and they're not clothed. Right? It's like all right, they need a drink of water. They need a snack or a meal. And they need a jacket or something to to stay warm, right? Because the phrase was keep, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Go in peace, keep warm and well fed. But that phrase, one, I've never said go in peace in my entire life. And so if I were to walk up to someone and say, go in peace, it would be weird for me too. But go in peace, keep warm and well fed, that's more of a, more of a phrase that I would say that is accompanied with a gift, like, oh man, I hope this satisfies your thirst. Here's a coat. Then it doesn't make any sense, right? But just saying anything, saying a, oh man, like I, I know you're struggling on the street. I know you're having a hard time. I hope you find some food or I hope you find a jacket. Like, well, what, how the heck are they going to find a jacket or a coat if I don't act on it, right? And that's what James is talking about. If we have this faith, we have the ability to help, and we're willing to help, and so therefore we should jump in. And James is not just talking about a physical or a financial need. Sometimes that's a, that is an emotional need where that person is going through a very hard time in their life. No matter what's going on, our lives are all different, and so there is a wide variety of things that can be going on that stresses us out. Stresses us out. I can talk this morning. Or it's a spiritual need, like, hey, man, like, how can I help you? Like, I've, I've, you know, I have a solid relationship, and so, like, what, what can my spiritual walk, how can I pour into your life spiritually, right? That, that can be that kind of need. Or 
Maybe it is a physical, financial need where truly they just need a snack or a meal or a coat. You know, like there's a lot of people like under I-10 every day. There's the same guy that sits in front of Chipotle and he plays his guitar. Super talented. Name's Fred. Not Fred. It's Brian. I don't know why I made up that name. But he plays guitar. He's, he's looking for money. He has a physical need. And so oftentimes when I'm at Chick, Chip, not Chick, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, I'll get a quesadilla on the side. Like, man, I know, I know you're hungry. I know you're working hard for something. So here's some of that. But James, he's not talking about just physical needs. There's all kinds of needs. And in times of trouble in the past and still to this day, Christians are usually the first ones to act on it. Like, oh, there, there's a need in my community. There is a need in my nation, my state, my city. I'm going to step up. Hurricane Harvey, three and a half years ago, Christians stepped up. The church was one of the, the first people out there gutting out homes, providing dehumidifiers and fans and sweep, um, sweeping demo crews, all this stuff, right? That happened. We had snowpocalypse about a month ago that pipes are bursting, and the same thing is happening where we're having to rip out drywall. The church is acting. The Christians, they have the ability and they're willing to step in and act on their faith. Right? As Christians, it made me think of a Walmart greeter. Walmart greeter, whether that's uh, someone at the door saying, Hi, welcome to Walmart. Here's a cart. Wipe it down, please. You know, don't steal from our store. Or there's the people at Lowe's um, and Home Depot. You know, like if I'm walking through Home Depot and I'm super lost, I am so relieved when I find this man over here, even though he may be 20 aisles down the road. I'm going to run to him and ask him where the screws are because sometimes I get lost. You know, it's a, big, it's a big store. But in our Christian mindset, we need to put on the Walmart greeter vest because on each of those vests, it, or it may not actually say this, but what it says to people is, I'm here to help. I know the store. I know where things are. I know about woodworking. If we're at Lowe's or plumbing, if we're at Home Depot, I can help in this area. As Christians, each and every day, we need to put on our Walmart greeter vest of someone that it's clear to people around us, clear to our friends, clear to strangers, that we know who Jesus is and that we're someone that people can come to when they're in a time of need, no matter what kind of need that is. And so the question I want to ask this morning, the question that James is asking of the people that he's talking to here is, is your faith showing? Is it obvious to people around you, your friends, your family, your coaches, your teachers, your classmates, anybody around you, is it obvious to them that you know Jesus, the Savior of the world, and how you act, and how you talk, and how you... Um, how you use social media, who you follow, what you follow, what you post. All of that's online now, and it lasts forever. And so we have to be more and more careful these days of like what we're posting because what we post represents who we are. And sometimes that's not always the best picture. right? And I'm, not, I'm not saying like, oh, man, I just got to post me doing a Bible study every day. No, you don't have to go basic girl on me, okay? But... Social media is a very strong tool, and how we use that can still point people back to Jesus. And so is your faith showing? 
We're going to continue reading, starting in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. See, the thing with modern day, and some people, like, they just tie things um, tie things together just wrongly. A lot of people believe that the devil and demons, they don't, they don't believe that Jesus is Lord. They don't believe that he actually did that and that God is reigning over all. No, they do believe that. And their sole desire is to keep us from believing that. He says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Verse 25, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He mentioned two people from Old Testament times. We got Abraham and Rahab. The group of people he was talking to are familiar with those people's lives and what they did and how they impacted the kingdom of Jesus. And so he throws out those references as examples of people who have lived before us and have put faith, no, put their faith to work or put deeds alongside their faith. Right? Abraham, Abraham's story, you know his that Abraham and Sarah, they were barren, they, they were without child for so long that they got Isaac, their firstborn. Isaac was born when Sarah was a little over 100, which doesn't make sense, like especially nowadays, like we're seeing grandparents, great-grandparents up in the 90s. Sarah had her first child when she was around that age. And so what happened is that God said to Abraham that you're going to be the father to many nations. You're going to have so many descendants that we can't even count. They're going to be similar to the grains of sand on the earth or the stars in the sky. So many descendants. But it started with one. It started with Isaac. And what Isaac, how important he is, is that he came at a crucial time. He was the firstborn. But how... Abraham's faith was tested. How, like, why Abraham is mentioned by James in this passage is because of what he does next. God wanted to test Abraham, and Abraham passes the test. We know that. But the test was I want you to go to a place that I've set out before you. This is God talking to Abraham. Go to this place I've set out before you. Take your son, bind him, build an, build an altar, and sacrifice him on that altar. Like, what are you talking about? Like, God, like, this is my firstborn. It took us so long to actually have a child, and now you want me to kill him. You know, a lot of people, they would go the other way. They would like, I know that's your plan, God, but no. That happened with Jonah, right? We know Jonah's story. He got spit up by a whale, and then he ended up going to Nineveh anyways. Oftentimes, God acts in ways that are outside of our abilities. 
And so in this moment, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. He builds the altar. He binds his son. And as he's pulling out the knife, ready to sacrifice Isaac, God sends a messenger. He says, stop. Abraham, like, by what you've done, by trusting in us, trusting in me, God, and by about to, like, you're about to sacrifice your son, don't do that. Because your faith has been tested and you have tested true that your faith in us is strong. And that account, that account is in Genesis 22. And so in your own reading, in your spare time, I encourage you to read that story as it is crucial. And you can see so many ways that Abraham lived out the way that Jesus tells us to live. He's also mentioned Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in the land of Jericho but was a follower of Jesus. And Joshua at the time was one of, um, uh, oh man, I forget where he was. Joshua, he was, like his mission was to conquer Jericho, was to destroy Jericho. And so Joshua sent two spies. And those two spies walk up to Rahab in her home, like, oh, can, can we please house here? And the king hears about this. And this, this is his response in Joshua 2, verse 3. So the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, Send out the men who came to you, the ones who came to your house, because they have come to spy on the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Then she said to the king's men, Of course, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. The men left when it was time to close the gate at dark. But I, didn't, I don't know where the men went. Hurry, chase after them. You might catch up to them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the flax socks that she laid out on the roof. The men from Jericho chased after them in the direction of the, uh, up the fords of the Jordan. As soon as those chasing them went out, the gate was shut behind him. So those men were kept safe. Rahab hid those men from the king's men in order that they fulfill their mission and continue to spy on Jericho. Her faith in God and in his plan for her life and for God's chosen people at the time was true. And she put deeds, she put work to her faith. As Christians, we claim to have faith. But what good is that faith if we don't do anything with it? You know, I, I, I believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross and that he forgives me of all sins and that when I leave this earth, I'm going to have a place, have a spot in heaven, right? I know that because I believe in Jesus and who he is, that he lives, his spirit lives inside of me, right? Now, if I don't do anything with that, what good is that is my faith to the people around me? Putting our faith to work means that our actions should support our profession of faith. If we claim to be Christians, can people tell that we believe in Jesus, that we believe who he is by the way we talk to others, by the way we use our social media, by the way that we talk to our parents, our siblings, our coaches, our friends, our classmates, and our teachers? Can anyone tell we love Jesus, or is it a well kept secret. I know secrets are near, you know, near and dear to our heart that we don't want to let everyone in on all of our business. But believing in Jesus and who he is, that should be something that we tell the world. Because we're in a place where that is allowed. We're not persecuted like 
like Christians were in the past, where they're being killed on the street and stoned and hung on a cross. We're able to talk to people. We're able to tell them, like, you know, you know, this is okay because Jesus loves you. You're able to be an emotional support system for someone going through a hard time. You can be someone if there is a financial or physical need and you're able to meet that need, then you very much should. <coughs> Excuse me. Our faith begins in our hearts, but it should flow into our hands because our hands are the thing, are the parts of our body that do the most. They're the ones that lay hands on people when you're praying. They're ones that hand out items for people who need something. <coughs> Excuse me. If there's no outward evidence of our faith, we should first examine our hearts and minds to ensure we truly believe what we claim to believe. And if we do actually believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should be intentional about finding ways to show it. Thank you.